Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. The offseason is rolling into Christmas time. So happy holidays, everyone. And there's not a lot going on with the Cubs still, but there are some interesting little tidbits coming out about them regarding their financial situation and what they're trying to do moving forward with this financial situation that we've all been so, so frustrated about. But while we still are frustrated to an extent, things might be a little clearer now. So we're going to talk about that, some other baseball and Cubs stuff. So stick around. Hope you enjoy another show. Adam, how you doing? Fantastic. Good to hear, as always. Uh, happy holidays. I know it's coming fast. It's hard to believe that next week is Christmas, and I finally got all my shopping done. Now, this year, with a full-time job, I'm able to spend a bit more on presents. I don't know how much you've spent on presents or how much shopping that you've done, but can I just say one thing? Speaking of financials, Things are expensive today. Even the smallest things, they're expensive. I sound like the Cubs right now, but it's true, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I suppose it is. And I uh, I usually don't focus too much on, on how much things are. I think you know, people, like, people like it if you just put a little bit of thought into what you get for them. I yeah, think. I mean, if someone gave me something small, it's the thought that counts, right? Sure. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where the older you get, the more you realize things are expensive. And I have no problem spending the money. I don't want to sound like a cheapskate. It's just sometimes you don't realize when you were a kid and you got stuff like got presents, you just you don't realize what some of these things cost financially. And, uh, you know, you just get a better taste of it as an adult. And the funny thing is, is that some of the small things that are harder to find, like in stores that are easier to find online, it's kind of about where you buy it because shipping can eat up a lot of your costs. But I feel like a lot of the good places don't eat away at the shipping, which is kind of nice. Just yeah. uh, less malls, more online shopping these days. Yeah, I I will. Online shopping is good. I know people... People love to hate Amazon, but you know Amazon. Amazon gave us something that we all use daily, and you know it, it's pretty pretty handy. But I I'll say this: 2019 went by faster than any year I can remember in my lifetime. Yeah. I cannot remember a year that has gone by faster than than 2019 has for me. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. I mean, it felt like just yesterday was January. I mean. You know, I, I'm going to go to football for a sec. I know I've brought this up on the show before, but it really just felt like just yesterday uh, when my hopes and dreams for a Bears Super Bowl um, hit the upright and then the crossbar and it was over. Like, it felt like just yesterday and it's already Christmas time. I know in it's, it's, it's crazy how fast things have gone by. Last last century, we got the roaring 20s. What is this round of the 20s going to be? Um, the kind of just chilling twenties. They're not the, going to be roaring. The They're not the meh twenties. Yeah, that's that's a good way to put it. The meh twenties. The, the boring twenties. The boring twenties. There you go. That's a good thought. Hey. I like it. I like it. And you know, speaking of that, what I want to do on this show for our last show of the year. This will be our little preview. 
we should do a decade in review for the Chicago Cubs because it saw the highest of high, obviously. I mean, it's not going to be really a mystery on what uh, is going to be the number one moment, but we can look at a lot of top things this decade. Uh, I wrote an article for Cubby's Crib uh, recently came out, top 10 home runs of the decade. We could talk about that. We could talk about top 10 postseason games, top 10 regular season moments, players, all that good stuff. Uh, so that's what we'll do on our final show of the year. So look forward to that, folks. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm in on that. That sounds good. And, uh, you know, for some of my other uh, Chicago sports slash sports talk stuff that I've been doing, uh, I'm kind of putting together a whole decade in review for Chicago sports as a whole. And, you know, I- I'll tell you, it's like the highest of highs and lowest of lows. That like sums up Chicago sports pretty much. Yeah, and uh, a whole lot more lows than highs, but, you know, we'll take the highs where we can get them. Right, because the highs were highs. I mean, you think about the World Series when we've had a hockey dynasty in the city. We had one of the all-time dynasties in the Bulls. We had an all-time great uh, football team in the 80s. But, boy, some of the losses that we've suffered in this city are as brutal as it gets. Oh, yeah. Just in this decade, just in general, over the years. Yeah, yeah, quite the quite the fall from grace in in a lot of areas, especially. I mean, we we talk a lot about the Cubs and sometimes the Bears, but even the Bulls, like going from having Michael Jordan to to being what they are now, is quite the step back. Well, yeah, I mean, honestly, they might be the most dysfunctional franchise out there right now. At least one of the top ones. Yeah, it's a. Uh, do you think they stick with Jim Boylan for much longer? It seems fans really, really hate the Bulls coach. They I mean, they can't continue. Of That's all, all I'm going to say. Of all of the, the sort of bottom-tier basketball teams in the league right now, it doesn't seem like there's any fan base that despises their coach more than Bulls fans right now. Well, no, I mean... It just I, seems like it seems like they've got a problem with everything he says in post-games. Well, a lot of the stuff is just blah, in my opinion. It's just you, it's not. Do you think his style is just a little bit outdated? I, I, it's it's outdated, and he gets no respect. His his team does not respect him at all. Boy, there, I'm sure you've seen it. That video. It, this was a while ago, maybe like a week or two ago, when the Bulls had a really good finish, and and he was trying to get in on some high fives and stuff and pump guys up. And they were just having none of it with him. Like they were just pretending he wasn't even there. It was so hard to watch that. That is you know not what I'm talking about. Oh, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. I think that was the game. Zach Levine had that miracle buzzer beater three pointer. It might've been that game or was another one. I'm not sure. Oh, that but was- it, yeah. I remember that was, that. Was that after he had benched Zach Levine and there yes. was a lot of controversy around yes. that? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And Zach Levine did not shy away from speaking his mind. He may have said it very subtly, but he he didn't bounce the question off. He did not. Well, and you know what? Good for him. Yeah. And but you know what? I I just I don't know what the expectations are supposed to be for the Bulls this season. And looking at that roster, I don't see how they could possibly compete with with actual top-tier teams in the league. I mean, I think the ceiling for that Bulls team maybe is to just squeak into the playoffs. But does anybody actually believe 
that this team is capable of doing anything special? Well, here's the thing. I don't buy this rebuild one bit. I, I don't. But they should not be this bad. And it, it may just go beyond the records, beyond the win losses. It's, it's the dysfunction you see within this franchise. Yeah. From Gar Foreman to John Paxson to Jim Boylan to the players to the coaching staff, even up to old Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner. That speaks more volumes to me than just the team on the court. And look, the team on the court is not good, but it's the, the, the dysfunction is what really, really speaks the volumes to yeah. me. Well, I think, you know, the Bulls as a franchise, they're such a huge, massive brand. I One think of the got, biggest. Yeah, not just in basketball and sports. I mean, the Chicago yes. Bulls, Michael Jordan turned them into a, a national brand. Worldwide brand. The Bulls have to be able to to lure some of the top-tier free agents in the off-seasons. They've got to be able to do that. I don't think you know a team headlined by Levine and Markkanen is good enough to, to do anything significant. Frankly, no. and I like I like Levine. I think he's a good player. But frankly, I think he's a little bit overrated just because of his dunk contest from 2016. I agree. I don't think I agree. I don't 100%. think his name. Yeah, I don't think his name would be nearly as big to the average fan if, without that dunk contest. No, no. And I mean, you see Laurie Markkinen, he's taking steps backwards. Now, to be fair to him, I, I don't think he's 100 percent healthy. I just don't. Yeah. Um, but that's a concern right there. Health is a concern. I like yeah. Wendell Carter Jr. a lot. I like him a lot. I, I personally, I think he's the best piece on that Bulls team. Mm-hmm. And then you got some decent things from Kobe White. Yeah, I like him a lot too. Personality, I don't think he's an all-star starter, but I think he's a valuable piece on your team. Mm-hmm. Then the rest, it's like Thaddeus Young is hurt, Otto Porter Jr. is hurt. I think I, yeah. I, I barely keep track of him anymore. And the rest is just uh, who? Well, they? yeah, I mean, it, it just. Being the Chicago Bulls, I would be really, you know, I, I follow basketball a little bit. I'm not a diehard fan. Uh, I don't live and breathe basketball. It, it's hard for me to get really into the NBA because I just don't think it's it's very good basketball to watch. But if I was a diehard Bulls fan, I would find it really concerning that my team isn't even in the conversation when guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are free agents. Of course. The Bulls should be at the center of those discussions all the time. And the worst and the thing is they make excuses should... for it yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. They should be, they should be a top contender for some of those guys every year. You should never, ever, 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 ever be an NBA franchise and say, we're not in a position to land a superstar. That should well, never happen. Well, I could see uh, for some teams. I think that's, that's, perfectly fine and realistic i mean when you've got the the best player in the world and you know obviously that's that's objective we'll we'll say it's Kawhi leonard right now i would not expect the utah jazz to be front runners for Kawhi leonard no no i expect i would not expect the denver nuggets to be front runners for a top tier the the chicago bulls on the other hand should be about every time well absolutely and i mean my point is i'm not saying that the Utah Jazz would be front runners ever for a superstar. I'm saying they, no team should just put their hands up and say, we're not even going to try when it comes to a superstar. I mean, it's a superstar driven league. It's what it is. And the Chicago Bulls, to your point, you're absolutely right. 
they should be able to. Now, we can gripe about LeBron, but the reality was the big three was happening in Miami no matter what. That was planned out. That was where he was going to go. You look back on that and you could say, well, there's probably nothing you could have done. But in many other cases... Yeah, I mean, you know, the Bulls haven't been a front runner. I mean, you're, you're been right. A false it, front. The reality, the reality is, it is a superstar-driven league right now. Uh, in rare occasions, you can make you can make do without. I mean, it, I think to to do that, it takes a generational coach, kind of like Greg Popovich. You know, Popovich finds a way to make Spurs teams with seemingly underwhelming rosters perform really well well he's a freaking but, but, nature but that's but that's the exception to the rule right that's you he's know he's an that's absolute rare. freaking nature right that's rare uh you you need superstars i would not call markinen or levine superstars no. not even close i think you they're call them good players at most yeah i mean you put levine on the clippers and and he's maybe you know he maybe is just barely good enough to start for that team Right. I mean, you just look a few miles up north, what they have in Milwaukee. Giannis is the definition he, of a superstar. Yeah, the Greek freak, he, he is no joke. And he just he keeps getting better every single year, too. I love that, though. I love seeing one of the best players in the league on Milwaukee. I, I think it's awesome. I think there needs to be some more of that. I hate... You know, we talk about the Bulls. They've got to be able to lure in big free agents. I think all that's true. I think that the nation likes it when one of the best players in the world is on a small market team sure. because it's just more fun to watch and because you, you you root for them more to take down teams like the Lakers, like the Clippers, these really these big market teams. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, as a Bulls fan, seeing him on a division rival – kind of stinks, but I'd rather see him on Milwaukee than like Cleveland or the Knicks or the Lakers. Oh man, Cleveland. Poor Cleveland. Well, at least they, they got at least they, they got their, their title. Break. I tell you what I've really loved seeing lately is uh you follow uh freezing cold takes on Twitter. I do. They they recently have just brought back to attention the the Sports Illustrated that came out before the football season started saying the Browns are back with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry on the cover and they were going to win their division and they could be possible Super Bowl contenders. <laughs> Here they are eliminated again. Yeah. It's hilarious. And, yeah, I find it, it really funny. <laughs> but you know what? You know what a lot of people called? A lot of people said it. Those egos were going to clash. What's happening now? Those well, egos are clashing. And and not just the egos. I think a lot of people expected Baker Mayfield to improve this year, and he's been really, really bad. Like right. really bad. Right. I never, I never bought it. It, it takes more than a, a good rookie quarterback and a couple of decent receivers. I mean, what else do the Browns have? Uh, I mean, Chubb is pretty good, right? Yeah, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is pretty good. I don't. I don't know if their offensive line is anything special. I don't know if their defense is anything to brag about. But I don't think it's the worst. But it's not great at this point. I, I root for the Browns' misfortune just because I love this anomaly of how a team could could make every wrong decision for decades. 
Honestly, I just, I kind of, I'm just glad that I can say as a Bears fan, we are not the biggest joke. That's why I like the Lions. They always save us from being the biggest joke. Yeah, man. And it's the Lions, the first few games of the season looked really good, I thought. I thought the Lions were going to be a decent team, and then they just, they're on like an 0-10 run or something like that. I mean, losing Matt Stafford doesn't help whatsoever. That 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 helped. That hurt a lot, but... They're also the Lions. I'm, yeah, you know. and he, I mean they've they've got no talent around Matt Stafford though. I mean Galladay's decent. Um, yeah, you you had you had the greatest wide receiver of all time, at least the most talented one, and then yeah. he retired early. Uh, obviously, boy, the Lion, Lions fans have got to be tired. <laughs> got Barry Sanders retiring early, and then Calvin Johnson retiring early. Two of arguably like the top fifteen players of all time, no less. Yeah, the top two players in their franchise history both retired early. That sucks. Yeah, all time greats. You know, believe it or not, this is a baseball show and a Cubs show. So um, to shift gears over to that, uh, what do we have in terms of news for the Cubs? Not much. Squat. They made a few minor league moves. Uh, one was uh, Hernan Perez. If you remember Hernan mm-hmm. Perez on the yeah. Brewers, Big guy who would guy who would hit a couple home runs against the Cubs every year and then do nothing against everyone else, was brought in on a non roster invitee. So um, he's going to be in camp. He's going to try to make the big league squad. The one good thing I could say about him, honestly, is that he's a pretty good defender and he could play virtually anywhere. Uh, so if you want a 25th guy on your roster who you value defensively, Hernan Perez would be that type of guy. Uh, can't really hit the ball, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, this this signing feels like Daniel Descalso 2.0. But cheaper. But cheaper. Yeah, well, cheaper. any I think any deal made this offseason, you could throw cheaper onto it and it yeah you know i i feel for daniel descal so i i think he's a really good leader on that team and I, i'm gonna say this i think daniel descal so is gonna make a really good coach or manager someday but i just uh i i i just think they need to they need to move on from that even if he bounces oh, back even if he bounces back he can offer you something nice in the dugout on the team, sure. But even if he bounces back and has a Daniel Descalso-like season, it's really not going to propel you much. No, and it, I think they need they need that, that salary wrapped up in other areas. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Badly. Yeah. They also did bring Brandon Morrow back on a minor league deal, which That's actually I like a lot. That's I a like good one. that. I have no I have no high hopes, expectations for that, but that that could turn into something really good. Uh, I think that says a lot about his character that he was willing to do that too. I mean, yeah, that, sure. That's that's a really admirable thing that that he feels bad about the way things ended up because he's, I mean, he's not really actually obligated to do this. So I, I have a lot of respect for, for him wanting to do that. 
Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying he's going to bounce back and he's going to be what he was. I just I really want to emphasize this. But it's a it's a no risk, no risk, high reward situation. And you'll take as many of those as you can. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I just I want I, I always remind myself. Brandon Morrow was really stinking good before he got hurt with the Cubs. Yeah. It wasn't a huge sample size, but he was lights out. Yeah, if he's fully healthy, then they, they may have something huge on their hands there. I mean, that's that's a big piece of the puzzle, the bullpen. A bullpen arm that can miss bats. Let me say that again. Can miss bats. I mean, just, just imagine in 2020 if you've got a fully healthy Brandon Morrow and Craig Kimbrell on yeah. their games. That makes that's, a pretty big difference. Big, yeah, that would make a huge difference. Yeah. I mean, and you throw in... I mean, what you got right now, you don't have much right now, but like you said, fully healthy Kimbrel, fully healthy Morrow, playing to the level that they should be playing at. And then you add in, if, if Kyle Ryan has another nice year, and then maybe if you get some of the guys like Wick having another nice year, you can have a much better bullpen. I don't think it'll ever be the number one right. bullpen, but it could right. be much, much better. And frankly, you can't get much worse than last year as a whole. So yeah, I mean, you throw in Wick there too. I I I'd, I'd forgotten about him. If Wick is not a flash in the pan and he really continues to develop and progress off of the season he had last year, that's a really nasty 7-8-9 if all those guys are healthy and performing well. Right. Wick, Morrow, Kimbrel, that's really good. You still are really pretty short-handed in other areas of the bullpen and that's still a big concern, but I mean, that's this is best case scenario though too, and I really right. would not be getting my hopes up that you've got uh, Wick Morrow Kimbrel going seven eight nine. I, that seems a little too good to be true, but it, just the thought of it being a possibility is, I guess, a, at least a little bit encouraging. Do you think at any point they bring Pedro Stroh back? Ah, I don't know. I last season really looked like he was kind of starting to to fade out a little bit. Yeah, and here's the thing. Pedro Strope is one of the best relievers we've ever had in terms of consistency over a number of years. Yeah. He has had a lot of nagging injuries with like hamstrings and that those are tricky. Those are very very tricky. And if you add on top of that, he's in his mid 30s. He's not young. If he was younger, this might be a little different. If you brought Pedro Stroh back, like on a very small deal, then you know that could, yeah, you know, you know, you could, you could accept that because I yeah. really like Pedro Stroh, and maybe he bounces back. It's just a little riskier now. If if it was a if it was a smaller deal, I would be fine with that. Sort of like a let him prove he can still be the guy type of thing. But if you're if you're gonna pay Pedro Stroh based on his entire body of work. For the Cubs, that's I'm out on that because clearly that's probably not the guy you're going to be getting. So on a small deal, on a on a small prove it deal, yes, I'm in. But if he's if he's going to be expensive, then then no. It, this feels like the end of his career. Unfortunately, I hate to say that because he's done so much for the Cubs over the years. But th- this feels like the end of Strope Cubs relationship. Yeah, and if he goes somewhere else, I'd wish him nothing but the best and would hope he'd bounce back. So, financials. Let's talk luxury tax here, because this is kind of the biggest uh, point of conversation right now. 
there are only three teams who have been taxed for the exceeding MLB limit. The threshold is 206 million. The Cubs are one of them. No shock. So per the Associated Press, as reported by NBC Sports Chicago, the Cubs must pay $7.6 million in taxes after their payroll ended the season at $220 million. The Red Sox will pay 13.4. The Yankees will owe 6.7. Again, this is according to the Associated Press, as reported by NBC Sports Chicago. Now, what they're looking at right now is to try to get under the luxury tax. If they exceed the threshold in 2020, which will jump, they'll face a 30% tax on their overages and see their draft picks drop 10 spots if they go over the threshold by 40 million. So those are your tiers right there. Look, I don't think there's an excuse really for the Cubs to be uber, uber cheap, but I can understand that the penalties for the luxury tax are maybe a bit harsher than we originally made them out to be. And look, dropping 10 spots when you're trying to rebuild your farm system, it that's a big drop. I'm not going to lie. That's yeah. a big drop. Well, and, you know, we, we talk a lot about how the really big contracts factor into this, the Hayward contract, the Darvish contract, uh, Lester's still getting paid a lot of money. One thing I think people don't consider, though, is that a lot of the the younger guys are going to get bumps in arbitration, too. And you've got to think about that, too. Bryant, Baez, these guys are going to get raises in arbitration, too, and that's got to factor into this discussion as well. Right, yeah. This is what makes it so hard. And this is why you're hearing all these rumors of Chris Bryant being traded away. Because you know, among all the arbitration guys, who's going to make the most money? Well, it's obviously it's Bryant. Bryant. Yeah, maybe. But, probably you know, it, it will be. Even Schwarber is probably going to get a significant raise just based on how he performed at the end of the year. Yeah, he's projected around $8 million, So, right there. And uh, and this article for NBC Sports. And, and by the way, uh, if you want kind of a better breakdown, like a really good breakdown of this, Bleacher Nation... Um, wrote a really good article today about it. I think I retweeted it uh, earlier. So if you go on my Twitter, you could see it. But they broke down very, very nicely kind of about the penalties of the luxury tax and how that all works. Uh, Mm -hmm. They came out with that today. Uh, So check that out if you kind of want to read into it more. I'm just kind of summing it up here pretty, pretty uh, briefly. But, you know, Brett always does a good job. Brett Taylor over there. Uh, he worked it out very nicely. So, yeah, I mean, basic, long story short, they are working to get under the luxury tax uh, to avoid further penalties. I mean, $7.6 million this year to a billionaire, that's not much. But when you lose other things and the taxes go up, well, again, there's different tiers. The first tier, yeah. $206 million. Second tier, $226 million. Uh, you go over by... 40 million and you're dropping 10 spots there's these different tiers it's a hard Uh, it's a hard situation to be in and and you know we 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 whine about it a lot and i think there's there's some legitimate gripes to be had but 
it, you know, people make it out to be as simple as, well, these owners, they're billionaires, just spend all the money you can every year, no questions asked. It's not as simple as that. That's not how businesses work. Uh, no, and the, you're Cubs, right. the Cubs in particular are in a tough spot where you've got a lot of young guys in their prime or entering their prime who are about to become free agents. And, you know, you can't you can't spend money as much money as you want in every single area and keep all these guys, you know, Bryant, Baez, Contreras, Schwarber. You're not going to be able to pay all those guys what they deserve and keep them all while improving your bullpen, your rotation. In this business, there's a lot of compromises to be made. And I think probably right now the Cubs are in a spot where they have to decide which areas they're willing to compromise in, which of these guys entering their primes they're going to be able to hold on to. You know, It's not as simple as just, the owner's a billionaire, pay everybody everything, problem solved. Yeah, and as uh, Brett Taylor points out in his article, and I, I kind of said this earlier, but keep this in mind, I'll, I'll make it kind of clear there's a lot to clear up here, obviously. So that's why I'd recommend reading the article. But what he said, and this is quoting the article, word for word. When you are in your second season over the luxury tax, your first tier tax becomes 30% instead of 20 So remember, last year, they were over the luxury tax. They paid the $7.6 million. 2018, they were not. That's, you know, that's why they went out and spent for you yeah. Darvish and they brought Tyler Chatwood in on that money and Brandon Morrow. Uh, so 30%, it would be 30% this year instead of the 20%, which was the first payment that they made. And then, um, then, uh, let's see your second tier tax becomes 42 instead of 32 and your third, so on, so forth. So there you go. Second season, they don't want to pay uh, the first tier 30%, second tier 42%. Right. It just keeps going up. That's what I'm trying to say. Again, right. it gets it gets a little complicated. Um, I, I haven't read over fully yet all the terms and conditions. But again, long story short, that's what's going on. Yeah, you don't just think about it in terms of can they afford to pay that penalty now, but how that affects their, their finances in the future, too. Right. I mean, we could sit here all day putting together the puzzle pieces and figuring out which tier is which and how much percent it goes up if you're on the first tier and if you're in the second tier, or yada, yada, yada. All you need to know, really, is that it goes up and it's not really a huge, 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 huge difference, but it's a big enough difference. I mean, I guess you could look at it either way as a huge difference or not. You could put perspective argument in either aura. Like a 10% increase, it's not small. It's not like ginormous, no. but it's not really small in terms of it's money. It's not insignificant, no. It's Right, that's the best way to put it. It's not insignificant. Uh, so this battle to get under the luxury tax is a long and complicated one for the Cubs, and that's why until they trade people, you're really not going to see anything more than minor league deals, frankly. It's going to be hard to do, too. I mean, Lester's going to stay. Darvish, obviously, you want to stay. I don't see how they can trade Jason Hayward without having to eat a big chunk of that contract. It would I almost just... be like you're not subtracting enough at that point. Yeah, like, exactly. Pointless. I mean, the whole point of trading Hayward at this point is to try to dump some of that contract, and I just can't see teams wanting to take that on. Right. It, you know, the other thing, too, is... Trading away people, 
while trying to also stay under the luxury tax and rebuild like your system, it's it's going to take more than just one yeah. trade. I mean, sure, ideally you could get a oh yeah know, a couple of prospects for Chris Bryant, but you yeah. know one trade is not going to fully restock your system all of a sudden. Right, there is no one trade that solves all of their problems. No, not no, not at all. That's the whole thing. Again, you could go how complicated it is with the luxury tax penalties and put those numbers together, but the whole situation is just that much harder on how to solve it. Because you could put the numbers together and you get, okay, this tier, this tier, this tier. We're on year two. It's going up by this. It's going up by this. Yeah, you could draw that chart out. You could put that all together fine. But to solve it, that's a headache. I mean, it's a headache for Theo. It's a headache for Jed. It's a headache for everyone in baseball operations right now. You see this Cubs organization trying to restructure its minor league system from a coaching standpoint. That's one big step. But you actually need to have the assets in there while trying to get under a luxury tax. That's probably the best way to describe the Cubs right now, a headache. Uh, Yeah. yeah, To to your point, that has been their biggest flaw in the process of this this competitive window is that it, it seems like they more or less ignored their farm system this whole time, which has left them in a, a really bad situation where they've got almost no developed talent that's actually ready to come up and make significant contributions to the major league team. You know, the other teams, they rely on their farm system to, to produce somebody every now and again. The Cubs are solely reliant upon free agency and trades. At this point, yes. I mean, you have Nico Horner, but that's that's one that's one guy. Well, and that's, maybe Adbert debatable Elzelon, as but debatable as to whether or not he's actually ready to be a full season contributor at that right. level. Yeah. Right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts in the minors this year. I I wouldn't either, and frankly, that might be the best route to go. And you know what? If they think it's the best route from a developmental standpoint, then fine. I yeah. I don't want to do anything that could potentially ruin that. Uh, yeah. So you're probably going to have some minor league contract guy or Hernan Perez starting. Yeah, which, you know, is a little frustrating, but if that's that might be the, for the best. So it is what it is. Let's also take a gander at where the Cubs are in terms of rumors on free agents because they still have a mutual interest it sounds like in nicholas castellanos but they're going to have to make moves before that and frankly it's i don't see it happening i do not unless unless they trade a, a big name player i don't see how that happens and not just castellanos there are other guys out there that probably I'm sure the Cubs someone, would be interested probably in. Probably someone from the core. Probably one of those arbitration-eligible guys, sure. I would think. We might be talking about Chris Bryant or Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, I mean, I want Castellanos too, but I, I, you know, you got to consider what the Cubs probably have to give up if that's going to actually be realistic. Look, I'm a huge Castellanos guy. I really, oh, really, too. really like Nicholas Castellanos. I like the spark but- he brought to the team. He... He really, I think he he brought something to the team that that can't be understated. And I, having that back would be a big deal, I think. But 
once again, we're back on this compromise thing. They're probably going to disappoint you in what they have to give away if signing him is realistic. But Right. But here's the other thing we have to look at, too. Is it really worth to get rid of, as much as I like Cassianos, Chris Bryan is still miles better. Oh, yeah. So yeah, in terms of overall production at the plate, the, it, far and away, you want Chris Bryant. So are you going to trade away Chris Bryant just so you can make room for Nicholas Castellanos? Well, me you personally, gotta me personally I would not. No. I don't think anybody holds steamer projection, uh, projections to be the word of God. Right. But I just want to put this out there. Steamer projects Nicholas Castellanos to be a 1.5 war player next year. Chris Bryant is a multi-time all-star MVP. And look, I know the spark that he gave last year. I really like this guy. But that same run that he went on with the Cubs in a brief time, it's not going to go over a full season. And no, no. His numbers are very good, but they are not spectacular. Just his career in general. Right. Yeah, was I a think great you're, fit at the time. But you're you're kind of fooling yourself if you think that you know what we got from Castellanos last year, if you're that you're gonna get that all of twenty twenty, you're probably gonna be let down. But the other thing to consider though, going back to Bryant, is whether or not you believe he can be extended. I mean, if you think he's without a doubt going to bolt when he becomes a free agent, then maybe this is the time uh, to let him go. Yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I think there's a difference between trading to clear space to gain assets than trading a guy away so you could sign another guy, which I don't think is the case. I don't think they would trade Chris Bryant just to re-sign Nick Castellanos. That wouldn't be the case. I, I'm just saying that the motivation, th there's different reasons for the motivation. There are different factors that come into it more than one. Right. Well, and, and me personally, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm back and forth on the Bryant thing because that's, that's a huge talent to give up. It's really conflicting because their competitive window should still be open, and so you hate to see this team trade away a talent like Chris Bryant, but I think he's as good as gone when he becomes a free agent. I don't think they're going to reach an extension agreement, and once he becomes a free agent, I think he's out of here. Here's the other thing I look at, too. You look at this year, this coming year period, you know that you'd have to do a lot of work to make them a legit contender again. And if they're not going to be able to spend much money or you have to trade guys away, even what you do add, does it really make you much better if Chris Bryan is no longer part of your team and or Kyle Schwarber or Wilson Contreras? Well, yeah, I mean, and it, that, that kind of goes back to what we've talked about before is you have to evaluate where you are and whether or not you think you have an actual shot. You have to fully commit to one thing or the other. You can't just be treading water. Right. All right, I'm going to listen. Right now, I'm, right now, it kind of feels like the Cubs are treading water. It's what it feels like to me, too. I'm right there with you. I'm going to list off a few key teams in the National League. Tell me, are the Cubs better than them?
Okay. Okay. Nationals. I would say the Cubs are better, yeah, especially having just lost Rendon. You think they are better? Okay, interesting. Interesting. Well, I'd say no personally, but I think I think the Nationals are going to take a step back though. I I think they you know, I think they they massively underperformed 2 years ago, but I do think that they also slightly overperformed last year and I think they're going to fall back to earth just a little bit in 2020, especially without Rendon. I mean, that's that's a that's a really big bat to lose. Um which is bullpen. a fair point. I think their bullpen, their bullpen is obviously better than the Cubs, but I think that'll take a little bit of a step back too. Right. I just the thing that gets me about the Nats, Strasburg and Scherzer, man. That that rotation. Yeah. And Juan Soto. Oof. Well, I yeah, I mean, like you said, I think there's areas where the Nationals are obviously better than the Cubs, but I think if you're comparing the rosters as a whole, I would give a slight edge to the Cubs. I don't think it's, you know, I th- I think you could go one way or the other and I could I could accept either opinion. I I don't think that there's a huge gap between the two teams. Uh I give just a slight edge to the Cubs there on paper. Okay. Um Phillies that's a tough one. That's that's a, that's kind of a tough one because I think the Phillies have been underperforming. They're the ultimate obvious, on paper team, right? And and on and on paper they have improved their team. Uh, I think Bryce Harper is going to play a little better than he did last year. That was a pretty rough debut for his new team. I think you'll see a little bit of a boost there. Obviously, Zach Wheeler in the rotation is going to help. I don't see Arietta getting much better than what he's been. No, I, think I don't. When he's either. healthy, even if he's healthy all season, you've got probably like a three-eight to four ERA guy. He's not going to be the dominant pitcher he once was. I'm going to go with the Cubs again, just because I don't see the Phillies actually performing up to their potential again. Interesting. Okay, uh, the Braves. <sighs> see, this is. This is another one where, on paper, I think it, it might even be the Cubs again. But uh, I don't know. You know I'm not gonna. The, I'm not gonna. Look at I'm that not organizational gonna, depth. I'm not gonna kid myself into to believing that the Cubs are gonna have a better season than the Braves are. Though I think the Braves' trajectory is still going up, and like I said, I think the Cubs are treading water. I'm, I'll go with the Braves there. All right. I think here's a pretty obvious one: the Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, the the Dodgers are a better team than the Cubs. Though the, I think the Dodgers do have some stuff to figure out though too. Now this one, this one has kind of been talked about a lot among Cubs Twitter and there's a potential move, but we cannot talk about a potential move before it happens. I'm talking about right now. I'm going to say it as much as I think the Cincinnati Reds are on a better trajectory, I just I'm not ready to crown them like some Cubs fans are. Oh, no. That's insane. If Cubs fans are really saying the Reds are, are a better team than the Cubs, they're out of their gourd. No. The, Red, the Reds are not a better team than the Cubs. Now, here to me is the most aggravating one to answer. The Brewers. The Cubs should be better, but somehow the Brewers find a way to just do stuff. On yeah. paper, I would take the Cubs roster every day. But the the Brewers lost Yasmani Grandal 
and Mike Moustakis. They've replaced him with the corpse of Justin Smoke, uh, Avisail Garcia, and Omar Narvaez. I just know that they're going to all have career years because that's what seems to happen in Milwaukee with mediocre players these days. Yeah. The Brewers should not be better, but they will find a way to be better somehow. I don't know. I, I got to think that eventually their luck is going to run out. And I look at that rotation and I see them having a really tough time. I mean, come on. As it stands right now, their rotation is headlined by Brandon Woodruff. You're, yeah. you're telling me that's an NL Central winner? It I don't buy be. it. It I don't buy be, it. But they, they, they found ways two years in a row when we've looked at their roster and said, inferior here, inferior here. I think part of it is they're just really well coached. It's a really well coached team. Sure. I think that's sure. a huge part of it. I, I, but, I, I, I do too. You think man, Lorenzo Cain is going gonna, is gonna to take a step back? He's got to. He already he's already did last taking year. a step back. Yeah. yeah I mean, he's getting older. That's another area of reliance in which they're, they're going to have to figure something out. But I mean, I know, I know how crazy I sound when I say this, but there's just that meatball part of me that looks at a guy like Avi Garcia and say, hey, just watch, he's going to explode for like 35, 40 home runs. Something I never, ever say well, about Avi Garcia, but it would be typical. Again, this, it, this, the way the Brewers have operated the past two years where you see these, these guys come out of nowhere and just have these great seasons, it just, until it doesn't happen again, I, it's, I'm almost expecting it. It makes no sense to think of that for Avi Garcia, but watch it happen. Remember when Garcia was supposed to be kind of sort of a big deal-ish for the White Miguel Sox? Miguel Cabrera, like Miguel Cabrera 2.0. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that never that happened. Really panned out. No, Avisail Garcia. And he was he was really highly touted at one point, even when yeah, he was he still was. with the Tigers. He was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's... It's gonna be something late he's had July. A career, but he's he's you know, like you said, he's gonna to go to the Brewers now, and he's gonna be an All Star. So late July, man, yeah. or whenever they play the Brewers late in the season, I'm just waiting for him to hit some back breaking home run at Wrigley Field that goes halfway up the bleachers or off the video board, uh, late in an inning, and I could just see it now. You know, it it's frustrating since it happens in the Cubs division, but I respect the Brewers' ability to take the scraps and turn it into something significant. That that was always the Cardinals that did that. It's it's weird seeing yeah. another team do yeah. it now. So I don't, I don't really know where I don't know how you evaluate the Cardinals right now. I I don't know where they're at. It's, they've they're, done nothing. I, I just think they're they're such a hard team to peg. You have they're really unpredictable in how they're actually going to perform, because you look at their roster these last few years and you don't think it's anything special. But then they sort of propel themselves into the conversation at some point in the season. They're they're in a weird spot right now. They are. In the last few years, the Cardinals have had this one streak of just epic hotness. It just so happened that last year that streak was at the end of the year when it really mattered because yeah. you take away the hot streak they had towards the end of the year, they were like they were in 2016, 2017, 2018 for most of the season. A very mediocre slash slightly above average club. They weren't terrible. They weren't great. And they looked like a minor league team against the Nationals in October. Yeah, well, I just think... Uh, the they, Nationals were that much better. They looked so outmatched. It was crazy. Yeah, it, it really was. See it. 
Uh, I mean, I don't think there are any other key teams to look at. I mean, until the Padres actually climb to the level they're all expected to, well, I'm not going to put the Cubs over the Padres. I think the I think the uh, the Diamondbacks signing Bumgarner is kind of an interesting one because it, they're another team that that feels like they're not fully committing to being a competitor, but they're not fully committing to a rebuild either. The Diamondbacks are that team that just kind of does things. And sometimes those things work, and sometimes those things just don't. Like, I feel like when they try to win, they lose. When they try to lose, they win. Are you surprised that that Bumgarner didn't choose a, a big market team? You know, after they talked about all the connections that Bumgarner had with the Diamondbacks, it doesn't surprise me now. I just, no, at the either. time, I didn't expect it. Well, I, I'm i not surprised. At, it, it just doesn't seem like he likes the spotlight. I mean, he's he's never in the spotlight. He doesn't, he doesn't talk to the media a lot. He's really not out there. So it didn't really come as a surprise to me that he didn't want to be with, like, the Dodgers or the Yankees. Uh, I never and it was saw him as a Dodger. You look, I never you looked saw at, him there. It's weird, though, because if you looked at his no-trade list teams, all the teams on that list were really good contending teams. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. It's like he just picked yep. all the winners and said, I don't want to be there. Yeah, I th- no, I that think is it's, interesting. It's, it's more about the Diamondbacks' interest in him that surprised me because I, the Diamondbacks are in kind of a, a, a an in-between spot where they they're maybe good enough to kind of be in the conversation but not actually good enough to do anything real. I think I think they'll be a competitive team, but I don't see them contending for a World Series. No. No. I if I had to if I had to bet I'd say they're not even going to make the postseason. I think they they can make like a Make it a race, kind of like they did last year. I think best case scenario is, yeah, they squeak into a wild card. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Uh, those are pretty much the teams. I don't know if you had any others in mind. I mean, the Pirates are no. going to suck. The, the Mets, yeah. I, I, I'm not ready to really put the Mets in that conversation. Mets, Mets are going to suck, too. Marlins are going to suck. Mm-hmm. Uh you're gonna the have. The Rockies are gonna suck. Yeah, the Rockies are in the Rockies be very don't, good. The Rockies don't know what the hell they want to do. They, you know, they no. sign. They they extend Nolan Arenado to this big deal, and now they want to trade him. They're like they're all over the place. They're constantly yeah, they really are. their minds about what they want their their identity to be. Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, obviously, you could look at a bunch of AL teams, but that's not really the point here. We're trying to talk about. Did the you National hear that, League? Did you hear that the Rockies are going to be putting in a heated field? They're going to. You hear I that? Did. Is I that did. not the yes. most millennial thing you have ever heard in your <laughs> life? Our feet are cold. <laughs> Professional athletes. You know what they should do. They should. Uh, they should try to make scrambled eggs on the field. <sighs> Flip burgers, flip burgers on first base. Grill some hot dogs. How do you? How do your feet even get? Oh my god! Well, is is it is it really as much as the players or is handling the turf itself? Because I know in the NFL in cold climates, a lot of a lot of uh, fields are heated underneath just to kind of keep it up. 
I suppose. Yeah, I think it's I mean, more but of a groundskeeping thing. In the, NFL, in the NFL, though, unless you know there's lightning or something, you play in any weather conditions, rain, snow. I mean, obviously that's not the case in baseball. I love watching a football game in snow. I, I, I don't think there's anything cooler than than watching a football game and it's just the snow is coming down really hard. You're the field's a fair covered. It's awesome. Guy. It's awesome. I, I got to admit, I do kind of agree that it is fun to do it, like the, the whole bear weather thing. Now, yeah. would I still like a much nicer stadium for the Bears with a retractable roof with the ability to host Super Bowls? No. And- yes, I no. would. Get out of here. Have you ever been to Soldier Field? How can you call yourself a you want a you want an indoor Bears team? Hell yeah! Blasphemy, dude. What? Yeah, you're, you're, you might as well be a Vikings fan. Do you do you see how many turf injuries there are? We lose our best players and we suck. Screw it. You make I do. Want, if if it meant having a bigger stadium, more convenient, and a better team, then yes. All right. Well, what if that was the case for the Cubs? For the Cubs? Yeah, you get a better well, team, but they got to play indoors, and they can host more things too. Well, baseball and Wrigley Field—that's oh, come it, this is that's got to be an obvious no, right? What do you mean? Even even entertaining the thought of the Cubs playing indoors is is a sin. No, no, not the Cubs. No, they play at Wrigley. It should that's be a for the Bears. Too. I mean, there's just but, some teams in the NFL that that have this tough identity. The Bears though. are supposed football's to be different. one of those teams. The Vikings were supposed to be one of those teams too until they started playing indoors. And that, I don't think nearly as many people respect that franchise now that they play indoors. They don't respect them because they the, haven't won a Super Bowl. The idea of the Bears playing in a dome. I'm not saying I, a dome. They, I'm saying retractable roof. No, even you don't that, have to close it. The, the idea of the Bears playing indoors in any occasion at home is I can't even fathom it. Well, I would certainly like like a better stadium than the one we have now. Soldier Field sucks. I'm just going to say that. Soldier Field is awful. As a Bears fan, it sucks. It is one of the worst stadiums in this country. (laughs) Really? It's awful. It is small. It is cramped. Getting there is a royal pain in the butt. There is nothing in the concourses. It is a cement, concrete, metal spaceship that was kept in the what little remains of the original building because we love nostalgia way too much. It's not, it's not soldier field. It's not soldier field was torn down in 2001. That thing is not soldier field. It's not. So to argue that it was to kept nostalgia sake, there's no nostalgia when the building is gone. I don't care about the dang pillars. You're going to fit one of the smallest seating capacities for the Chicago Bears? Really? Okay, that's all good and fine, but as long as they're not indoors. I mean, the, the capacity's not that 60-something thousand. That's, it's small, that's, like, it's the that's small average stadium. for an NFL they stadium, can't host. The, they can't host a number of events there because it's too small. It's so that's... cramped in there. When you sit in the seats, you feel like you're on a cliff. That's not... Uh, that's not too small by NFL standards I don't think it's, is it It's the smallest in the NFL 
It's the smallest seating capacity for one of the biggest fan bases. All because they had to fit it in this old stadium. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I I suppose, but I, I think it's, you know, the average is like 70. Yeah, and we're like 10,000 or like 10,000 is short of that. You could add some seats. You could add some no, seats you, and improve it without. Not, you, they can't. Without they literally can't. Roof. I don't know. I just don't they understand why they don't even own the damn place. I hey, I'm I'm not disagreeing with with you know adding seats, whatever you got to do. I just don't like the the retractable roof idea. Is all. I mean, even if you don't have the retractable roof, let's take that away for a minute. The roof's let's take not away adding the... seating. No, but I'm saying they needed to build a whole new stadium. That's my point. In a better location. I suppose that the location is do awful. That, just don't put a freaking roof on it. Well, well, maybe I want a roof. You got to play outside in Chicago. You got to. Is it a rule? Are yes. you stamping it? Yes. As president, I will make it a rule, and I will tear down every single stadium that has a roof in this country. Good luck with that. As my first order of business, I will demolish every stadium that has a roof. I mean, r- roof or not, I am really jealous of that Viking stadium. Roofs that thing for, is beautiful. Roofs are for arena football teams, which, by the way, rest in peace, arena football. <laughs> you know what's funny? They had a um, good little run. You know what's funny? I was at the... You know how the Chicago used to have a team, right? The mm-hmm. uh, Chicago... Yeah. What was their name? Uh, shoot, why am I blanking on the name? But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They played at the All-State Arena. And I go there for Chicago Wolves games a lot. And they essentially played on a hockey rink-sized field. And I look at it, I'm like, wow, they really played like football on this little space? <laughs> it's kind of fun to watch. I had a middle school social studies teacher who played arena football. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, Matt Nagy was an arena football star. He was a quarterback. Was he? Hey, he was. That. Yeah, he Didn't won. He won that. a championship. Look it that up on YouTube. That not occurred to us, dude. Mm-hmm. He looked no different. No different back then. That's why he was. Uh, it was around that time he was actually uh, doing an audition or like a tryout workout with Green Bay, mm. and he was actually doing that during 9/11. Uh, on that day. Yeah. Uh, he's he's got some very interesting stories to tell about his football playing career. Um. I could go on about those, but you know, well, we time in any case, rest yeah. in peace, arena football. You had a good run. R.I.P. I got to say, this was a really fun show because of how many random tangents. Yeah, we, we bounced on. around a lot. Yeah, we certainly did. And, you know, I'm sorry we said we were going to limit the time for this, but we are closing in on our usual hour. You know, things happen. It, it, yeah, it is. Yeah. So we are going to wrap it up there on Climbing the Ivy. We want to thank you all for listening to our random thoughts about outdoor stadiums, the Chicago Bulls, arena football, and occasionally the Cubs. So we thank you for sticking around and listening to us. A reminder, you could check out Cubby's Crib at Cubby'sCrib.com. You could check out this podcast on iTunes.com. You could also check out the Cubby's Crib Facebook page and Twitter page. They post all the content there and post content from other writers and other Cubs community people. Be sure to check them out. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.